In today's episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast, we are discussing our best practices for actually using your prep period to handle those responsibilities that always seem to happen after school hours. I absolutely love this topic because we really get to go deep into practical strategies and frameworks that you can begin using to build habits that protect your prep period so that you can get the work done that you need to get done, leave your teacher bag at your desk, and walk out of your classroom when the bell rings. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Hi there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. Hello, teachers. Welcome back to a brand new year on the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Jessica, how are you feeling about it? I am so pumped for this year. I'm just like 2024, bring it on. It's a good year. I know right? at ABN, we've all been talking about it. Like we're ready for you guys. Totally. My, our motto has been like 10 X, 10 X, the quality of 10 X, everything. Like, let's just go as you know, hard as we can into excellence this year. And we're doing that on the podcast as well. So in fact, we have like all kinds of fun things planned for the podcast. We're probably going to bring on our curriculum writer to share some things with you. We have tons of incredible interviews that we have planned. Um, and you know, later this month, we're airing something where Jessica went to the Ron Clark Academy. Do you want to give a, like a little plug for that teaser? I will just say this for now, that it was the best, like PD that I've ever personally attended. And I have so much to share with you all. So I'm super pumped to give you all the details in a future episode. Yes. That's airing in a couple of weeks. So be on the lookout for that. You guys, I also want to let you know that we are introducing a new co-host to the show. So like I said, we're shaking things up. Like let's just do, I love the question. If you knew that you could not fail, what would you do? Mm -hmm. I love that question. And so it's like, let's just do whatever we want to do. And I think this new addition to our podcast is going to be really special for teachers. So I want to introduce to you guys our new podcast co-host. Her name is Megan Wyant. She is a part of Team EB. She is our project manager. She is also just an incredible wealth of knowledge when it comes to teaching English. I'm going to let her introduce herself to you guys. Megan, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Hey, Megan. Yay. Thank you for having me, you guys. I'm super, super pumped to be here. Um, and as Caitlin mentioned, I am the project manager for Team EB. And I started with EB back in February. I came on full time in June. Um, but I had actually began my career in the corporate world in kind of the healthcare space and then made a rather dramatic decision to enter the classroom. And so I came into the classroom for a couple of years teaching in a private Catholic school. And in that time, I actually found EB and EB changed my teaching life. And so I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I'm also currently enrolled in a master's program studying educational leadership. And so it's interesting to kind of have that perspective of um, the administrator or, you know, principal, vice principal and bring that to EB as well. 
So super thrilled to be here. Thank you guys. Yay, Megan. I like, I can't wait for just a little like additional energy, you know, yes. add it into things, shake things up a little bit. Megan, can you tell us? So just so you guys know, Megan's going to be doing some of our interviews for us as well with some of our guests. Um, and we actually have an interview that Megan did airing next week. You want to give us a little sneak peek into what that's going to be about? Yeah, absolutely. So I interviewed Grace Stevens. Grace is really awesome. She actually lives in California, but was originally from the from England. I'm not sure exactly where, so I don't want to misstate that. Um, but she was actually in the corporate world, kind of like me, and then decided to become a teacher. She was in the classroom for like 20 years and kind of had a lot of those struggles that we talked to our teachers about, right? Teaching was not super sustainable for her, but she loved it and she wanted to stay in the classroom. And so she kind of made some processes and habits for herself that she is now teaching other teachers um, in order to help make their lives more sustainable. So I think everybody will really resonate with that interview. And she's She's just a fabulous woman to talk to. So. Brilliant. I love it. And I love that that one's airing at the beginning of the year after this episode too, that we're going to get into in just a moment, because I know like new year, new beginnings, people will make, uh, you know, new year's resolutions, all that stuff. I'm of the ilk, like, let's just do it now. Right. Like I don't have a new year's resolution and I know a lot of people do. And that like new slate really resonates with people. So I think it's this episode and next week's episode are two great kind of putting on a different hat, a different perspective of what you can do in the classroom in order to make teaching sustainable for you. Because really our goal at AB, we talk about it all the time, is to keep great teachers in the classroom, like period, end of story, because we know how much of a difference a great teacher makes on a student's progress in the classroom. Think about yourself, like the class that you loved the most, you probably liked the teacher the most. Like, let's totally. be honest. <laughs> yep. And the class that you didn't do well in, it was probably because you didn't vibe with the teacher and the teacher didn't want to be there, right? All, there are so many factors, but we just know how important great teachers are in the classroom. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are one of those teachers because you're spending your time listening to a middle school ELA educational podcast on your spare time before you go into the classroom. Um, so we just want to you know, really give you guys some tools as we head into the new year and think about what are we going to be able to do for you? How are you going to be able to lean into this new perspective for the new year of really creating that work-life balance for yourself? So definitely make sure that you check out that episode. Megan, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us. Yay. <laughs> um, and with that, let's go ahead and dive in. So we are talking about using your prep period for grading, not for planning. I love this topic. Jessica, you're going to kick us off. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Perfect. Yes. It's like, like you said, it's just the perfect episode for the beginning of the new year, because I think so many of us might be stuck in our ways with how we use our, our prep period, or our planning period, whatever you call it. So I want you to think about like what actually happens right now when you do have a planning period, right? You're, you're likely catching up on emails. You're making copies. You're planning out a lesson. You're grading. There's that colleague that always comes in. And I know, Caitlin, you can probably picture the teacher I'm thinking of that would like <laughs> come into our classroom during any period. And you just knew like, okay, I'm not going to get anything done because this person is just going to talk about, you know, life. And that's wonderful sometimes, but sometimes you're like, no, like I need to finish this grade for my students or whatever it is. So planning periods have become kind of this like hodgepodge of all these things you need to get done. And then you don't get any of it done. And what happens, right? You you bring all that grading home with you in your bag and does it get done at home? Like if you were me, no, right. I have my kids at home and I'm signing reading logs and I'm taking them to gymnastics and I'm cooking dinner and like all the things. And then I would just bring all my grading back to school the next day. And so it was like this cycle of feeling honestly overwhelmed during those periods and not getting anything done. 
But once I learned how to like rework it, like come up with my own system, and I know it's a system that, you know, Caitlin used and that so many of our teachers use, once I had that system in place, then my planning period actually could be used for grading and my nights were free and my weekends were free. So these are the things we're going to share with you today. So you can make that a reality for yourself as well. Yeah. And I just want to like kind of tack onto this with just some experiences from my story as well of, you know, when I left the classroom three and a half years into the profession, it was a variety of reasons why, right? There's so many factors apply, but one of them was really like, I had no, no free time at all outside of school. And so when I came back into the classroom after I left, and if you guys don't know my story, you probably do if you're listening to the podcast, but if you don't know my story, I left for a year. I went into corporate America. I made all this money. It was so exciting. And it was awful. <laughs> the grass is not always greener on the other side. I was miserable. My life lacked meaning. I'm like, I ha- I'm a very purpose-driven person. So to not have a profession that is a purpose-driven profession, I'm like, I don't care if you buy a radio advertising. <laughs> like that doesn't matter to me. I was not a good salesperson for this company. <laughs> Um, but so when I came back, it was like something had to be different. Right. And I know so many of us live in this place where it's like, sometimes the pain isn't great enough to push us into change. Right. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with like habit changing and some of you have maybe read, um, atomic, atomic habits, habits. like that, but oftentimes, like if the pain isn't great enough to push us to change, we stay in that discomfort and unhappiness because it's easier to stay there than it is to make a change for something. And for me, when I went back to the classroom, the pain was, I didn't want to leave again. Like I love teaching. I wanted to make it something that I could continue to do on on a a long-term basis. And so I leaned more into the pleasure of like, I enjoy this so much. I want to be happy doing it as opposed to letting pain be my driving factor behind it. So if you're finding yourself in a position where we talk about these things that you're like, yeah, that sounds great. Or yeah, I want to make that change. But it's always that you always say that to yourself and the change never actually occurs. Maybe you're coming from a perspective of the pain isn't great enough to change subconsciously, right? You're not saying this to yourself is on a subconscious level, but what if you leaned into the pleasure driven aspect of change, right? What if you leaned into that this year, instead of like telling yourself a different story around that these new habits are, are going to be new ways of being new ways of operating in the world. And sometimes that's really hard Um, you know, I gave up alcohol this year and giving that up in the beginning was very difficult. It was a habit that had been formed over years. And it's so culturally a part of our world, especially where I live in Northern California, that it was a difficult transition. But then once you hit a point for me, it was like a hundred days. I know they're like seven days to build a house or whatever, 21 days. It was like a hundred days and I hit the hundred day mark. And it's like, I can't imagine doing it any other way in life. Right. And I think that that's very applicable to the things that we're going to talk about now is these are habit forming things. These are like fundamentally things that are going to change for you as a person, as a teacher. So if it feels hard, it's because it is, it's because you're making a a deep change at a very deep level um, that you're going to be resistant to because most people don't want to do things that are hard. Like let's at all, right? Most people just want to do things that are easy and keep it easy for themselves. Um, so just have that frame of mind, that kind of perspective as we head into, into this episode. Um, so some things to consider. The first thing that I'm going to talk about 
is batch planning. You'll hear us say it over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face, probably on my grave. It's going to say batch planner, right? Like it is so ingrained into what we do at EB. And we talk about like, well, what's the thing, right? We all want the thing that changes everything. And honestly, it's batch planning. Like this is the foundational piece to if you're building a house of change, batch planning is the foundational piece in order to be successful in all of the other things. So to use your prep period for grading and not planning, you really can't do that unless you're batch planning at the foundational level. So I'm going to share some basics with you of what this looks like, just so you get an idea of what it entails in order to get started. And if you're not familiar with batch planning at all, we actually have a great download that 10 tips to getting started. I'll put that into the show notes for you guys. That link, it's just a free download that you can check out. Um, but as I go through this, I want you to know, like with any skill in life, it takes practice and refinement over time. First time you batch plan, you're probably going to be bad at it. And if you just like have that perspective, then there's no judgment. You're like, I'm probably not going to be very good at this. And that's fine. Um, so just keep that in mind that over time, you're going to become excellent at it, just like anything that we practice over and over again. So at the most basic, basic level to batch plan simply means to sit down for a chunk of time and you're going to completely plan out your lessons for an entire period of time. Maybe you're planning for an entire year if you're a master batch planner like Jessica and I are. Maybe you're planning for an entire unit that's maybe a month long, or maybe you're planning for like two weeks, but you're setting aside a period of time to plan for a period of time, a predetermined period of time. And so to get started, you can take some simple, simple steps. Number one is to set a time to actually batch plan, right? If it's on the calendar, it happens. If it's not on the calendar, it may as well not exist. So put batch planning down on the calendar for when you're going to do it. Then you want to pick like a weekend or perhaps it's like a, a school holiday, maybe Martin Luther King Jr. Day or whatever it might be. And you're going to spend, and this is going to be wild to some of you, you're going to spend five to six hours to actually plan. And you might pick two days back to back Saturday and Sunday to just sit down and plan. You grab snacks, you can grab a little drink. I like my Starbucks, um, what is this? Starbucks espresso with light cream. Have you guys had this? It's no, it's so specific. Your little like it's very specific. <laughs> Can I just tell you? So we should all, you know, what I'll do is let me take a picture of this. I'm going to post it on social media so that people can understand what we're talking about. Um, I'll post this on the on our Instagram. So this is my favorite coffee drink. I don't drink coffee. We're hot. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen you drink coffee. It's always <laughs> hot chocolate. So I'm like, what is this? You're shocked. I've shocked yeah. you before. You're like, who is this person? I don't even know you. Um, but it's a Starbucks espresso with light cream. And it's like this tiny little can. And they have one that has regular cream in it. Not the same at all. Like totally impacted me, made me feel sick. Couldn't drink it. It was too much. This, this is the one just perfection I'll, for I'll you. I'll put a link to this in the show notes for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else is interested in that Starbucks <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh, your drinks. Grab your drinks. Yeah. Beverages. Beverages. <laughs> Important. Beverages. All the supplies. Like, so all the things that you need and you're locking yourself in a room, you're setting aside time, your family knows, friends don't call you, put your phone on, um, you know, silent or whatever. So you are really having like focused, focused time. So you can get into a flow state where you are just operating at the highest level. And what's great about batch planning that I love so much, we've talked about this before on the podcast, is you're not wasting time context switching because you're super, super focused on the task at hand. You're focused on planning, whereas opposed to if you're planning on a day-to-day -day basis, 
you're planning, you're grading, you have kids asking you questions, you have children at home, you have to make dinner. Like there are all of these things. So if you think about the time that you maybe actually spend planning, if you're planning on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis, it's probably negligible. And so it's no wonder you can't actually accomplish a lot because you're probably only spending 15 minutes planning at the most, but it feels like an hour because you have all of these context switching things that are interrupting your time, right? So think about like how important being hyper-focused on a task is in order to make a ton of progress. Jess, when we wrote our book, we had to do this, right? A hundred percent. And I was just, can I add something? Cause it made me think when you said it, when you're like, okay, when it comes down to it, you're probably only spending like 15 minutes actually planning, right? Because of all the context switching. Then think about like, are those even effective plans? If you're only spending 15 minutes planning, like those are not likely fantastic wow factor lessons. So like, what's the point? Totally. Yes. I love that. hundred percent. Thank you for that. Because it's true. Like, well then what is the point? Right. If I, if I don't have something that like hits the mark, why am I even doing it in the first place? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. So then the next thing with this that I want you to have in your brain is that if this is your first time sitting at a batch plan and I like, please, oh my gosh, if you've listened to this podcast and you've never batch planned in your life, like make this the time, like this is the call to action, like go into 2024 with a new way of operating in the world. And when you do this, if it's your first time attempting this plan in increments, This is where it's very important to not sit down and think like, oh, I can plan a whole year because Caitlin and Jessica say that they can. Well, we can because we planned and practiced this for so long, right? When we first started doing it, oh my God, I remember planning one of my novel units before I went into the school where Jessica and I taught that summer. And I I kid you not, I probably spent like a week on one of those units, hours on end, every single day putting it together. And it's just, yeah, it was not, I was not good at it in the beginning. No, no judgment, right? Um, So we suggest if you can, and if you feel confident enough in doing it, kind of 90 day cycles as humans, we operate in 90 day cycles. We get excited about something and then it kind of falls off. And then we have that 90 days come up again and we got to get excited about it again. Um, So we, we tend to focus on those, on those 90 days, but if you can't do that, 90 days might feel like, oh my God, you're crazy. Maybe you just want to do two weeks, get your feet wet, plan a little bit, right? Um, Start to get familiar with this concept of setting aside time that is just intentionally lesson planning. And as you're planning, this is really important, is you want to make sure that you are choosing content standards for your planning. So whether or not that's Common Core ELA standards or TEAK standards or Texas or wherever you live, you have some sort of standards. And if you don't, just use the Common Core state standards because they are, we love them. For ELA, we love them. We know we have qualms about them. Um, and use those as your North Star, right? You want to use your standards to 100% guide every decision making in which you're bringing in an activity or a lesson, everything. Because what we'll find is sometimes we'll bring into our lessons something that literally doesn't address a standard. And it's going to take a lot of time out of your class. Maybe it's really hard for your students. It's just something that's not going to meet the mark. And that's not to say we can't do fun things in our classroom by any means, but it is to say, I think more often than not, we are um, influenced by what we see online. And the truth of the matter is, is anything that's being published online 
this okay so i'm gonna be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist on this oh like, this should be good <laughs> you're like oh god what's gonna come out of your <laughs> mouth um <laughs> like anything the majority of things that are posted online on social media what is the intent behind that typically is to get clicks is to get likes is to get saves is to get people to interact with that content so that more people see your content that's just the nature of the beast of being a content creator on a platform like that And so a lot of the times we will see something that perhaps doesn't have our best interest at heart. Not all the time is that the case. I'm just saying that this is something that happens on social media. Um, Even even for us, like we um, title our podcast episodes so that they're enticing for you to want to come listen to them, right? That's a perfect example of that happening. And we have your best interests at heart, right? But it is very much of like, How can we help people consume our content more? It's by making it interesting, right? By making it interesting sounding. So sometimes we will see something online that maybe isn't actually what's best for our students, but is maybe best for that person that's producing it and putting that out online. So just a lens to kind of like look through and consume content through it from like that critical thinking lens that we teach our students about. Um, I think it's important for us to do the same thing as consumers of content on a consistent basis. So, but if you have your standards as your guide, it's easier to not necessarily be swayed by things that we see that we have FOMO about or whatever, like everybody's doing this. Who cares? If is it, is it standards aligned? Well, then let's not do it. Right. And then there is no pressure on you um, outside of that. So anyways, just something to consider. Do you guys have anything to add on to that? Or are you like, oh, I can't believe you just said that on our podcast. No, I'm in total agreement with it. So I was thinking it was going to be like this, I don't know, thing where I'm like, groundbreaking. I'm on board. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, and then the, the last little piece of information that I want to include when talking about batch plan, and then we'll move on to um, some more uh, tips here as we move into talking about using your planning period for your grading, um, is that you got to include floating days. So floating days are so important. We are going to overplan, especially the first time that we plan anything. Um, so if we if we have those floating days and we need to reteach something or something takes longer than necessary, we don't we don't feel this like oh I just wasted all of these plans because you have three days or two days where you literally have nothing planned, which can be really scary. Actually, I think that's a whole other issue of like mindset around like not planning for two days on your lesson plans. Um, But it's incredibly helpful. It takes a lot of stress off of you or feeling pressed for time to like hurry up through a unit. So we're really able to be intentional with ensuring, you know, are students getting this? Are they actually mastering these particular standards before you move on to the next thing? And what's great is if you don't use those floating days, let's say that like everything goes according to plan um, and you have two extra days, well, you can just simply include like a fun lesson, like one of our whodunit um, mystery activities. We'll include a link for you guys into the comment section for the mystery, um, the bountiful case mystery, which some of you have probably taught before. Um, if you're listening, if you are a, a what's the word, an avid listener of the podcast, I'm sure you've listened, uh, used that lesson with your students before. Um, but you can do something like that two days, no big deal. Right. Um, so definitely make sure that you have those floating days. So when you batch plan, What's going to happen for you is you will immediately start to free up some of your time during those weekly planning periods because you're not planning, right? You are now harnessing the power of those planning periods to tackle all of the grading that you have to do. So these two days or this one day that you're batch planning has a massive ripple effect on a variety of other things as a teacher in your life. So I'm done with my two cents. (laughs) I love it. 
Okay. So now I get to actually talk about the planning periods themselves. And I'm going to reiterate what Caitlin said though, that like, we can't get to this point unless you've done batch planning, because that's what frees up the time to now allow you to use your planning period for grading. So that being said, got your planning period or your prep period, you want to create a framework around it. So just for like the ease and simplicity of it, we're going to pretend you've got a 45 minute planning period every day. And I I get it. Like some of you are like, "Uh, I wish, right? Like I get one a week. Well, I'm just going to give the example and you can maybe adapt it to make it work for whatever you have in your classroom. But what you want to do is create a framework around whatever time you have. So I'm going to share what I did in my own classroom. And again, you can adapt it. So I would assign my planning periods, different like themes, if you will. So on Mondays and Wednesdays, that's when I graded. So those were like specific days. It was literally in my plan book and I would write grading and I would list what it is I needed to grade, whether it was essays, a test, whatever. And I would use that time exclusively for grading, for giving students feedback, for, you know, writing all the comments that I needed to on an essay, whatever it was. And I prioritize what I needed to grade. You know, do I need to get them back their essays or do they need a test back for some other kind of review? Whatever it was, I prioritize it. So that stuff got done on Monday and then like the leftover stuff on Wednesday. That being said, I didn't grade everything. I remember like, I'm not even joking. My very first day of teaching, I was 22 years old at my very first school and my principal pulled money aside. And she's like, if I can give you one piece of advice, Jessica, it is going to be to take a pile of student work and just recycle it sometime. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, like I love it. Just coming out of college, you think I have to do everything perfectly. And she told me that. And I was like, well, if she's giving me permission, like, all right, I can do that. And that stuck with me. And I de- never graded everything. Like, honestly, sometimes I would even tell the kids that, like, this is a participation grade and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that being said, I've got two days designated just for grading. Then I'm Tuesdays and Thursdays, and again, make it whatever days you want. That was like my email response day, right? I was emailing parents back. I did send a weekly newsletter. Like I had fifth graders, so I was still doing that. Maybe you're not doing that in eighth grade, but that would be where I like sent out any communication I needed with the class. I would be emailing with, you know, other teachers, my principal, whatever it was. And that was my focus time. That being said, I set those expectations. So like at back to school night at the beginning of the year, I would tell parents, you might not get a response from me within two hours of emailing me. These are the times I dedicate for email response. And I would tell them, look, my priority is your child. I'm here to teach them. I want to make sure I have the best lessons. I'm there for them. Of course, I'll respond to you. It just not might not be right away. Knowing that in advance, I have to say I had really good boundaries with emails with parents. I never felt bombarded by them because they kind of knew where I was coming from. And they were like, okay, well, you know, if my child's best interests are at heart, maybe I don't need to email Miss Kanata about, you know, whatever it is. When I did designate those times for emails, though, I would set a time limit. You know, if I had other stuff I needed to get done, maybe my entire prep period was not email response. It was just 20 minutes or whatever it was. And knowing, okay, Jessica, I have 20 minutes to respond to emails. I'm going to get it done, right? I'm going to be really efficient about it. And again, having that set in place, it's not like I sat down for my planning period on Tuesday and was like, okay, what do I do today? Do I want to grade? Do I want to do this? No, I knew exactly what I needed to do. And so I could get started right away. It was kind of like, think of it like a bell ringer for your students, right? Like they walk in, they get to work, that's how my planning periods were set up. Can I add something to this email situation? Please do. Yeah. So 
my, my son's teacher actually puts in her signature. So I have two things that puts in her signature, um, please allow 24 hours for me mm-hmm. to respond. So it's like there that that's already set in place. Right. But then the other thing that's interesting is if we practice wait time with our parents, sometimes they work out the problem themselves. So I, it's happened to me a few times where I will get an angry email from a parent first thing in the morning. Like they were typing at the keyboard at like one o'clock in the morning, sent this mean email to me, whatever. Right. And I'm like, thank you for that. (laughs) First thing in the morning, I appreciate waking up to that, but I'm not responding. Right. Because I am protecting my boundaries. Sure enough, as time goes on throughout the day, oh, Mrs. Mitchell, you know, I thought about it. Like, I'm really sorry. I understand whatever. And like, they will typically work through the problem themselves if you give them the time and space to work through the problem themselves. So I think that's something to consider too, because then a parent also has time to cool off, right? If they're mad at you about something and they're emailing you in a super aggressive way, I would say the worst thing that we could do is respond right away because they are so in that like angry energy toward you. But then as the day goes on, other things happen, right? They maybe are able to release some of that anger, whatever this situation was, and maybe have a logical conversation with you um, after that. So that's something to consider too, the power of doing, you know, kind of everything that Jessica just talked about. Your story, Caitlin, just made me think of, there was a mom, I remember this was like way back in the day and it wouldn't be emails, but I would get like literal voicemails on the classroom telephone every morning. And I'm like, Ooh, okay. Practice like calmness. And it was never just to me. Like everyone knew this mom was coming and this was her thing. And so I definitely had to set boundaries with her because otherwise it was like, really every single day, let your child just be. These parents, like, no, I mean, it was like years later, you have someone talking about you on a podcast I I because mean, of the behavior that you. She was lovely. She, I think you know, worried about her son, and it's like For he's sure. gonna be okay. He's eleven yeah. years old. Like we're good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Back to planning <laughs> periods. So I've got my grading days. I've got my email response days, or like communication days, if you will. And then I would do because honestly, emails didn't take that long. I would designate like half of Thursday. That was my copy day. I would go stand in the office and chat with the school secretaries. I loved them at our school. And I would make my copies way in advance. Again, I had batch planned and I was pretty darn good at it. So I knew what I needed copies for, you know, weeks in advance. So it was never just like, oh, I'm copying something for tomorrow. Oh no. I was like, okay, this is for February and I'm organizing and all the good things. And I would just go in there every Thursday and it was my routine. My period was at the end of the day. It was kind of like something I looked forward to. I got to chat yeah. with them, do my copies, all good. And then Fridays were my floating day. Just like in batch planning, you can do this with your planning period as well. So you have one day where it's kind of like, all right, this is my catch-up time. Were there more copies I needed to do? Do I need to get just a few more emails? Is there some assignment that's just taking me a really long time to grade? I'm going to grade it here because once I got to the point of batch planning and using the system, I did not bring grading home with me, like nothing ever, nada. Yeah. And it got to that point because I had these planning periods so well organized that I could be efficient with it. Like to the point that other teachers I was working with are like, how did you get those essays done so quickly? And it was like, well, this was my grading day. I have a sign on my door that says, do not disturb. Like I'm getting down to business and I'm done. Yeah. And I had to do that to like keep my sanity. And it, and it worked out so well that sometimes on Fridays it's like, okay, well I'm done. I literally have nothing left to do. 
okay, I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes and I'm just going to hang out or I'm going to check out when I would totally do this. This is kind of nerdy, but I would go in like my classroom library and I would pick out one of the books. I'm like, I'm just going to read this book and then I can recommend it to students later on. But like truly it was just like a peaceful 10 minutes for me of reading like young adult literature. Loved doing that. And it was like my little reward. So I know you guys are laughing and that's funny, but like, <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, what a lot I laugh because I read all kinds of young adult literature still. So perfect. (laughs) Love that. So I'm going to hand this over to Megan and she's going to give you some tips for like, how can you get to this point? What can you do to, to set up this kind of system in your own classroom? Yeah. And I will say just from the perspective of an early teacher, like this is possible. Caitlin and Jessica were in the classroom for many years and, you know, nailed down these habits, but I had them nailed down too as a second year teacher. This is possible if you stick to it. So the first thing is that is consistency is key. And just like Caitlin was talking about with habits, like you have to build that habit. So you have to stick to those designated days for each task consistently to really establish your routine. That's, that's going to be key. The next thing is setting time limits. And I love timers for this reason. Um, So allocating specific time slots for each task within the planning period. And that way you're avoiding over committing and ensuring your productivity, right? Now you have to be kind of reasonable with this. Grading 50 essays isn't going to take you five minutes. So be reasonable with those time slots. But um, I love setting a timer for that reason. Can I add something? Yeah, I actually have. A playlist on Spotify that I can share the link for you guys into yeah. the show notes. That is a journaling like playlist that has great songs, but will totally be good for grading during your prep period. I, like if you need to listen to music, like just can I listen to um, the Gladiator soundtrack when we were writing our book? Like there are a lot of great songs, so I'll put that for you guys into um, the show notes so that you can utilize that during your grading time. I love that, and yeah. honestly, there's so much research about music and brain and stimulation that I think that's fantastic. So awesome. awesome. Um, prioritizing task is the next thing. And Jessica talked about this a little bit, but identifying those most critical tasks and tackling them first during each of your designated days, right? That's going to knock out what you really, really need to get done. And then everything else can kind of get pushed to the side if you need to, or pushed to next week. That's totally okay. The next thing, and I resonate with this one so well, um, <laughs> communication with colleagues. Now I have to say, I was like the culprit, like I would go down uh-huh. to other <laughs> It's me. Megan's the problem. That was me. Sorry. Um, I'd like go get some extra coffee because one of our teachers down the hall had a coffee pot on. I'm like, I'm just going to sneak into her room and chat, you know, so that was me. Um, But we do need to set some boundaries around this, right? So letting other teachers like me know that you're like, you're not going to talk during your plan period. And Jessica gave the example of hanging that please do not disturb sign outside of your door. I think that's awesome. The other thing I used to do, and this might sound a little extreme, um, but when I really did need to get some things done, I had a lot of natural light in my classroom. So I would literally turn all the lights off. I'd shut the door and I'd go to like the back of the classroom and nobody even knew I was there yep. so I could get everything done. So when I wasn't disturbing other people, that's what I would do. Um, <laughs> and then the final thing is, you know, with any new habit, um, any new structure you're creating, you have to reflect and then adjust because the purpose of this is to work for you. And so if it's not working for you, you need to adjust what you're doing. And so kind of regularly assessing the effectiveness of this new structure you have created and then being willing to adjust it based on your needs. And I think those are those are the biggest tips we could give you. And then just knowing what tasks you're going to accomplish on 
any given day kind of helps you get right down to business. You're not wasting time um, and you're not trying to figure out what you should be doing during that planning time. Yeah. I love this episode and I really hope that it's helpful for you guys. But the thing that keeps coming up for me, the word that I keep hearing as we've worked through everything is just discipline. You know, people are mm-hmm. like, well, I find the motivation to do that. And it's like, it ain't about motivation. It's about the discipline and just doing it despite not wanting to do it. You know, you just show up and you make the decision. This is what I'm doing. It's at an identity level. I am somebody who does this. I read this incredible post the other day that says, whenever you use the words, I am, be careful what you say next, because that uh, de- like creates subconsciously, like how you exist in the world. So if you're like, well, I'm a messy person or, oh, I am overwhelmed, whatever that word is or words or phrase that you're putting after I am, just be super cognizant of what it is that you're saying to yourself. Um, <laughs> I won't go into detail, but you know, the whole concept of fake it till you make it like, just tell some lies to yourself for a while until it becomes true. Like I'm someone who uses my planning periods for grading. I'm somebody who batch plans. I am this person, even if you're not, but if you just keep saying that to yourself, like ultimately you start to become that person. I know that sounds crazy and woo, but it's true. It works. Jessica, you want to add something to that? I do. Cause I love what you're saying right now. And I'm thinking like, it's going to happen, right? Like yeah. you're going to have a planning period where you're like, I'm doing so well, it's great. And then someone is going to come in your room and interrupt you. And it's like, shoot, well, now I messed up. So then who do you become? Like, do you just say, oh, well, it doesn't work. See, this is what happens every time, right? Or I didn't accomplish what I need to. But if you can keep telling yourself, I am good at this. I am efficient. I am productive, all those things. And then you go back to it day after day. All of a sudden you are going to like reflect back and be like, okay, I- all, I'm not taking work home with me. I do feel less overwhelmed. Like people are noticing things about me, but it's when you have those hiccups or those little obstacles, like what do you do then in those yeah. moments? Yep. I love that because you know, if nothing changes, nothing, nothing changes, changes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple. but like, hello, if nothing changes, nothing changes, you know, yeah. so new year, new EB, new content. We have so much great stuff coming your way on the podcast. I'm so freaking excited about it. And like, let's use and harness that energy to like use motivation for a hot minute and then stick into discipline that this is just what I do. This is just how I operate in the world. It's one of those things where like no questions asked, like once you've made the decision, never question the decision. That was very helpful for me in giving up alcohol was never question the decision. I've made this choice from a conscious level with my prefrontal cortex, my thinking brain, not my like lizard brain, like whatever it's called, the prehistoric part of your brain that just like goes back to fight or flight or whatever. But like once you've made the choice, never question the decision. This is just what I'm going to do, period. There is no open door to anything else. Um, and that has just really served me that, that phrase of never question the decision. This is just what I do. That's how I operate in the world. Um, so just a reminder, a few things in the show notes that we're going to add for you, we are going to add the link to my Spotify playlist for grading. It is a journaling playlist, but I think it'll work for you guys for your planning periods to do all the things that you're going to do. Um, I will also include the link to the bountiful case for you guys. And there was one other thing I think, Oh, your espresso. My espresso. <laughs> with light cream. Yes. With light cream. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes for you guys as well. And if you find it in your heart to leave us a review on 